invite you to be seated. And now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. Who are these Greek seekers of Jesus? They do not seem to be the, the usual suspects of those who frequently seek Jesus out. Are they friend? Are they foe? Jesus has both of these. And thus far, the Greeks have, been not, have not been named explicitly for us. It could have been these were folks from a Hellenistic Jewish community, or it could have been they were Gentiles who were in the area visiting or perhaps lived nearby. We are told they came to worship at the festival, likely the former perhaps. But what happens after they ask to see Jesus suggests that to some degree that Jesus was being buffered from the crowds at this point. And I say this because they first come to Philip. Philip has to go to Andrew and then Andrew and Philip go together to Jesus with this request to have audience with Jesus. Yet we never get any indication that Jesus received these visitors. But that does not mean that Jesus ignores them or, or that this moment is indifferent to Jesus. In fact, this is a very pivotal moment as they arrive. It marks the very moment that Jesus' public ministry comes to an end. Because upon hearing about them, Jesus immediately talks about his death. He offers a teaching about what it is to follow him. And then we have this intriguing line that he goes to hide from them. He hid from them at that point. And the next time we see Jesus, he will be washing the feet of his disciples after the Passover meal together. Now it's from this point that Jesus turns himself towards the most difficult moment, the most difficult step in his mission and ministry, He says to us and announces to us the hour, the moment, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is the grain of wheat. He will die. Yet from this death will grow. Many seeds of followers, many seeds of the kingdom that is coming. And this moment is also important, I believe, because it keeps us from seeing that Jesus' death was more than a matter of course. It was not compulsory. It was not obligatory. There's much about this moment, in fact, that I believe echoes that of the scene in Gethsemane. You see, just as he did there, he does here, he contemplates he has in his mind what it would be to be spared from his coming death. And as he turns towards the cross, he tells us honestly that his soul is troubled. He ponders out loud for us to hear that he's at least considered the possibility, asked the question, maybe a desire, that God might save him from this hour. Yet as in Gethsemane, Jesus knows fully, realizes fully that this is the reason that he came. But then something else happens that does not happen in Gethsemane. God speaks. 
God speaks audibly for those around and near and with Jesus to hear God speak. And God says that Jesus will be glorified, meaning that in his death he will still be glorified. That must have been an assuring word for Jesus to hear from the Father. But Jesus tells us that God did not speak for his benefit, but for the benefit of those near. The crowd hears the sound, but it does not seem they hear or understand what God is saying. And that the assurance would be that his death might look like a defeat, but victory, glory is still coming. But they're too distracted. They're too distracted with their own worries to hear this. Instead, they continue to question and openly wonder why Jesus, if he is the Messiah, thinks he must die. So as this story draws to an end, as Jesus chooses to turn towards the cross, after having spent so much time and effort and energy and love and teaching what this means, they seem to be none the wiser. He simply says, the light is for you a little while longer. Walk in that light while you have it. Don't let the darkness overtake you. I do believe this story begs that we ask on this Tuesday of Holy Week to begin to consider what it means that Jesus chose and died on the cross as an act of salvation and glory. But as I reflect on this story in the last couple of weeks, I'm most troubled and could not help but be a little disheartened at how this part of Jesus' ministry culminates and comes to an end. I think about all that Jesus has done up until this point, healing, feeding, miracles, forgiving, resurrecting the dead even. But then he simply leaves and hides away. He has openly shared with us and those around him that his soul is troubled because of what comes next for him. But instead of showing empathy or compassion, these folks keep debating the finer points of what this might mean. But more so for themselves than for Jesus, perhaps. Now, I don't know exactly what I would hope for in this moment. But surely, after all he had done, after all that we have read and understood, it would have been more than this. Even God had tried to speak into that moment, and they wrote it off as thunder or angels singing a tune to Jesus. John, of course, tells us why. It's because they loved human glory more than they loved the sacrificial glory that comes with God and through Christ. And for the world across, the death of a Messiah, well, that was an utter defeat, and they did not want to lose. I must offer, though, that it is really hard to wrap our minds around theological implications of death as victory. It's a worthy effort, and we must struggle with such a thing. But perhaps there's something more pressing that we can focus on today. What if, instead of discerning exactly how suffering leads to salvation, or convincing Jesus that you really don't need to die to gain victory, what if they simply entered into Jesus' distress? What if they allowed themselves to have their own souls troubled about what was coming and live in that moment for a bit with Jesus? Isn't it, after all, that Christ came to bear with us out of compassion? 
is not part of the glory of God, the willingness God had to enter into the human reality of, of shared and feeling suffering. And as Christians, I'm very mindful that we often seek and search for deeper spiritual lives. We hope that at the end of our 40 days of our Lenten journey that our practices will help us to grow and to be mature in faith. We often pray that God might make a way for us and to help things go well in this life and in this world. I have prayed with people before surgeries, before weddings and meetings and, and big decisions, always asking God to guide and to lead us towards a right path. But I've also prayed with folks when there was no good, when there was no easy way forward, I've prayed with folks who could not see anything but the tragedy that had fallen into their reality and lives. I've been asked by some why God did not protect them or those that they love, and I've asked those very same questions myself. There are times when we do not have good answers. There are times that we cannot explain the realities that we suffer. There are times that the only thing we can do is to give love to be present, to show compassion, and to be kind. And this, I confess, when I'm in this place, it often makes me feel powerless. I wish I could do more, pray more into being, but I cannot always. But I have also come to believe it is such moments as this, and in such experiences that teach us what it means when Jesus turns towards the cross. Cross teaches us many things, but I do believe that the first thing it must teach us is compassion. Something happens when we choose to, to feel compassion for Jesus as he accepts this path on our behalf. Something happens when we choose to feel the compassion for any who suffer. Life in faith without suffering are challenges, it's attractive. But we must be willing to enter into the world's suffering. And it is only by such that we understand Christ's choice for us. Please hear me say, I would never suggest we seek suffering for the sake of learning compassion. Suffering and death may find us that God is not the author of it. We must never understand suffering in our world in such a way. Suffering that is unjust, unneeded, unkind, and senseless is not ordained by God for our benefit. But we must choose to enter in those experiences and those realities. And into just the past week, we have seen many struggles. We have seen the aftermath of storms and tornadoes that ravage communities and take lives. We have yet again seen another mass shooting in a school for little children. In fact, I know those in this community of faith have been called to care someone who has been harmed in their own, in their own place and time. Too many families, too many people, too many communities, including our own, understand deeply what such things do to us. And as a church, local, ecumenical, and global, it is our call, it is our part to bring hope where it seems hopeless. But it will require compassion. Dieter Bonhoeffer once wrote that if we want to be Christian, we must share in Christ's large-heartedness, his liberating love for all 
who suffer. And for this to be so for us, I do believe we must first be honest about our own adversities that we face. In a reading about compassion, I came across these words. That reckoning with our own hardships and our own sufferings prepare us to express empathy for others. Empathetic solidarity with others who are having a hard time in this life can lead us to be more generous and more kind and more supportive. Or as the late Frederick Buechner wrote, it is the knowledge that there can never really be any peace and joy for me until there is really peace and finally joy for you. So I believe that it is with compassion in Jesus' heart that drove him to choose the cross that drove him to shed tears for others but it was also compassion that compelled him to love and nurture and care for all people may it be for you and me and may it be so among us together when I am lifted up I will draw all people to myself Jesus predicted Today, that prediction bears true for you and me because it is Christ who draws us near by his compassion to break bread and to share a cup. So may we today and those who receive it today with compassion be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Thanks be to God. Amen.